Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans, for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy, Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls off three-pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. We have our final eight in this second round. We're ready to go. This has been a historic run so far. Ron, I'm, I'm pumped to talk about these teams. Some exciting new faces to the uh, to the finals projections here. How are we feeling? Oh, man, it's cool. It's 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 a new world, especially in the Western Conference. We're looking at a uh, we're looking at a completely uh, switch up from from last year. The Lakers are gone. The, the Suns and the the Jazz appear to be taking their form from the regular season into the off season, and it's uh, it's it's going to be a fun fun final eight, and I'm looking forward to seeing how these series get underway. Yeah, and unfortunately, the odds-on favorite to win the championship is not there, and, and when I say that, I'm obviously talking about the Knicks, um, not the Lakers. So that, that that was the the tragedy of this week, but um, we'll we'll talk about them in a second. I think there's a lot of takeaways of, of the teams that are not in there now. Um, but first and foremost, we got to shine the spotlight on Utah, Phoenix, the Clippers, the Nets, all who have never won a championship before, and they all have the opportunity to get it. For the 76ers, they haven't, they haven't won a championship since 83. Milwaukee, 71. And Atlanta has been since the 70s. I can't remember. But Denver as well, who's they were looked at as the favorite maybe as the Lakers are starting to get injuries and then Murray goes down and then they're still in the thick of it. They have never even been to a finals before. I mean, it's crazy to see all these small market teams and these, um, these less heralded teams be there. But then of course this comes with the mixed reaction of what does that have to do with ratings? Does this matter? We don't have LeBron. We don't have Curry. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't like looking at it that way. I'm actually, pumped to see some new faces here i'm excited to see some of these stars have an opportunity to have this league be about them not about lebron not about curry yeah absolutely and i, I really hope that it doesn't have a negative impact on ratings and i don't see why it should i mean the the flair the style guys like Jokic, booker donovan mitchell play with people should want to watch these guys these are the next these are the next generation coming through and they they play some damn exciting basketball so if you read if you really are a basketball fan, you should make sure you're still watching these playoffs right the way through. Even though we don't got a uh, the LeBron led team or the or the, the the Curry Curry Warriors, we still got a lot of talent left in this in this uh, playoffs uh, in 2021, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun series, and it's gonna be cool to see the first the first steps of the next generation uh, in postseason basketball. Yeah, man, look at Booker. I mean, he came into his own. He's taking that next step into stardom the way that he completely when he had that what was it six three sh- straight 
in the first quarter and he just opened up that lead. They never looked back. I mean, that, that was, that was what spelled the end for the Lakers there. And he made a statement game. Even LeBron even gave him his Jersey at the end of the game, just as a, just as a token of a pass, passing the torch there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you look at Utah, look at Donovan Mitchell, the, the star that's been born there, 76ers and how the process has finally matured into a true contender and man, Atlanta, yeah. And they they took one they took one game already. Well, we'll talk about them, but how surprising they've been to be here. And when anyone talks to me about Jokic, not knowing who Jokic is, maybe they they haven't really watched. They've they're just catching up to the game right now. If you liked Dirk before, if you liked Magic Johnson, like Jokic is I, maybe this is a weird pairing <laughs> to talk about, but talk about the one of the best, if not the best, passer ever on tape and one of the best offensive players in the league right now. I mean, I mean, this guy is going to be a staple in the, if not the finals, the, the top, the top four teams in the West for a long time. Yeah. Now, and he, he's been, he's been awesome again. He's kind of a, uh, he's kind of dropped down in the, in the in sort of assist numbers, but he's still absolutely dominate. I mean, we saw that game six. Uh, he just took over in that third quarter basically put Nurkic out of the game when Nurkic picked up, I think, four fouls in the third quarter after going foulless in the in the first half. And Jokic just said, right, I know I've got this guy. When I'm on form, I'm better than this guy. And he that's he just proved it and and got the got the nuggets into the into the next round. Yeah. I mean I'll tell you what, I, I do st- I do feel slightly vindicated about my take about how Nurkic would be the most impactful player and whether or not the Blazers would win or not. Because in this series, Nurkic has the second highest plus minus on off rating in the entire league when he was on Jokic. I mean, he was the only thing, he was the only thing keeping him from scoring. When they had Enos Cantor out there, it was just over. It was barbecue chicken. Mm-hmm. I mean, that when when Nurkic got into foul trouble, it was basically over. And, and I mean, let's let's talk about it now. I mean, for the Blazers, um, the ramifications for some of the losers in this first round are um for the Memphis Grizzlies for the Knicks, it's it's rosy. You you exceeded expectations. We'll see what happens next year. But some of these teams like the Blazers, this is this is a tough way to go out. Damian Lillard, I mean, you're you're starting to get a little bit of a sense. Maybe his loyalty is patient. That's not that's not infinite. Yeah, yeah, big time. I mean, like look at that 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 game five. I mean, that just tells you everything you need to know about Damian Lillard. Like he goes fifty five, six and ten. He shot. 71% from the field, 71% from three. And across the whole series, he made 35 threes, which is an NBA record for a single series. I mean, he just did everything that he possibly could. And unfortunately, the supporting cast around him did nothing. Couldn't, could not offer enough to, to get the Blazers over the line. Like Lillard, I don't think he could have done anymore. He was absolutely awesome in pretty much every game. In, in game six, I think he just looked gas. After game five, that double overtime play, having played like 51, 52 minutes, I think he, after the first half, he just looked gassed. And then the the, the, uh, the Nuggets were ultimately able to take it, uh, take advantage of that. But I mean, he 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 was let down by his team. Obviously, they've made that the, the coaching change now. Sots is out. But they're talking, the, the way Lillard's going on, it's it's kind of either do exactly what I want and do what I say or I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna leave. That That's kind of the vibe you're getting off him. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's going to get to that point. It just seems so key to not 
not just who he is as a player, but like his brand as well, his brand as a player to be that loyal guy and, and not really pull the, the Anthony Davis type move, pull the James Harden type move. He just doesn't strike me as that type of guy. Um, but to immediately be saying, Hey, Jason Kidd is my guy. I've literally never seen a superstar player like that. Just so blatantly say, Hey, do this <laughs> on live yeah. media, like literally hours, not, not even hours, like one hour after they had officially let Terry Stotts go, um, who, you know, for the record, I mean, Terry Stotts has been a fantastic coach. He's been a fixture in, mm-hmm. in the running for a coach of the year. He's, he's led the Blazers to being a winning organization um, for nearly a decade now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he deserves credit where credit's due. They obviously need some fresh faces, both on the court, maybe in the front office, but Dame needs help. You said it when that game was wasted. That might have been one of the best playoff performances that was wasted by a team that couldn't hit 10 points in two straight quarters, in overtime in the fourth quarter, in mm-hmm. the end of the fourth quarter. That he was doing everything. And you, you parallel that with the with, uh, performances of, of Doncic and, and seeing him just completely out of breath near the end of that game seven. And, and performances like that from these stars, it, it just shows how hard it is to win in this league. It's, it's so tough unless you have that real second star, that third star. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. It, it keeps on changing. Every time you think you've got a guy that you believe can be the one-man machine and take down a, a top team, you just come to realize yeah. there's, just, there's just too much when it's two guys who are capable of doing what that one guy is capable of doing. I mean, it's just it's such an advantage to that to to the to the team with the with the two guys like it's 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 disappointing because i mean you always love the days like with like kobe lebron mj when they you knew they they were capable of just putting their guy their team on their back and carrying them through games and even in playoff series as well but nowadays it's got to you've got to have a one two punch i mean that it's it's simple it's simple simple as that yeah, and you know, I, I thought that when you when you talk about it in that light, they had the advantage over Denver. I mean, everything was was through Jokic and yeah. talk about Michael Porter Jr., whether or not he's emerging as a quote unquote star, but I mean his offensive performance and his his two-way performance. You can't you can't discount how powerful he's been on the boards and how how much better he's been on the defensive end. Um but I mean, everyone on the Nuggets, I mean, you, you got your Compazos, you, you got your Greens, you got your old Paul Millsaps and Aaron Gordon and all these guys, their performances are just amplified by how Jokic is orchestrating everything on the offense end. I mean, it, it's to have seen how it was a one-man show of Damian Lillard and Jokic's Nuggets. I, I mean, it was such a convincing MVP for f- performance from Jokic to pull that off against Portland. Because I, I honestly think that, you know, Portland had the talent the, the talent, uh, benefit of talent there. And, you know, you, you could argue it for, for Michael Porter Jr. But when it comes to the depth of talent that Portland had, like Denver just put it together as a team better than Portland did down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. And just on, on, on MPJ, I mean, over the series, he averaged 19, seven and a steal a game. He was shooting 54% from the field, 42% from three, and he had three games where he scored 25 plus. I mean, we talked about it when we heard Murray went down. Like we knew MPJ was going to have to step up. And he did that in a big way in this series. And if he can continue to do that, the Nuggets are still in with a chance because Jokic is still 
continuing his hot form, his MVP form that he had in the regular season, and MBJ can continue to pull up these sort of offensive numbers, they're still in the conversation when we're talking about the the top two teams in the NBA and and especially in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, with, with MPJ, it's crazy. 42% on three doesn't speak to the type of shots he's taking. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy is shooting over people. He's taking step-back threes. And I mean, let's remember this guy is 6'10", 6'11", taking step-back threes. He's coming off screens. And the difficulty of the shots he's taking and the efficiency he's still managing to have and the amount of room that he has to grow, I mean, just speaks volumes to how good of a player he's going to be. And it's got to frustrate a lot of teams who pass on him. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't crazy for a lot of teams because, of course, there were there were reports of his health and you know those that back injury was sketchy and how how long term that's going to end up being. But you know, until that resurfaces, that he has to be one of the greatest steals in a draft in a long time. I mean, we're, we're talking Devin Bookerish if he keeps us up. Yeah, definitely. If he can continue to develop his game, I mean, that's kind of the big thing you're seeing when you're watching him now. It's like it was a long way for Denver, but it looks like it was it was a really smart move, and and it looks like the wait was going to be more than worth it. So let's, let's talk about another, another team here. We we gotta gotta talk about Celtics. Ainge stepping down, and I mean this. I think this is one of the most symbolic um, things that nobody's been talking about is the fact that the Nets. Gentlemen swept the Celtics, the same team that no less than it hasn't even been a full decade. And they had swindled them for every pick. It looked like the worst deal in NBA history. And if you had asked any betting man back then, who, who's going to make it to the finals first? Who's going to be a contender first? The Nets or the Celtics? And I mean, nobody would have taken the Nets. So that for this win to be happening for the for Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving to be in black jerseys, as they're sweeping the Boston Celtics. I mean, that, it, of course, I mean, when you look at the backstory, like Ainge stepping down, I mean, it's the final chapter of him not doing anything with any of the assets that he had gotten from that trade. I mean, you can thank him for Jason Tatum. You can thank him for Kemba Walker. Thank him for Jalen Brown and the team they have right now, but they've not achieved what they could have with the opportunity that they had with those assets. And it's, it's crazy to think about now. And, and as they go into this new era, it, it, I'm interested to see, like, what do you think about them choosing to hire from within, getting Brad Stevens in there? Despite, you know, maybe there's a thought that if you want that fresh voice, that fresh vision, is that going to come from within? Yeah, I guess that that's just, we just kind of got to wait and see on that one. I mean, you got to think that that Brad Stevens would have the mind and the head to, to fulfill that mm-hmm. sort of role in a big way. And obviously, the the Celtics are kind of a franchise where they're they're fairly steady. They they have a certain way of working, and they get guys in that are going to work to that to that ultimate goal. And I think that's probably why they look to to uh, promote from within. I think it was a big thing uh, f- to get a new head coach. I don't know who they're targeting, who who's going to come in and be that fresh face, but it was something that was needed just to. Things were just kind of getting a little bit stale. And obviously we're here and now Brad Stevens kind of felt like he was on his last legs just in a from a mental capacity on his side, which was never going to be good for the Celtics as a whole. Obviously injuries have played a big part for them this year, but they needed to shake up. Obviously we'll have to wait and see whether it was the right call to kind of only half shake it up in, in terms of uh, uh, putting Stevens into Ainge's role. But 
it was it was the right move. It, it was time. Angel done some good things, some not so good things, and this whole year has just been a bit of a just kind of petered out into almost nothing. I think Ainge kind of felt with his comments in the media and everything, it just felt like he was he was already out of the job. He was already done. He was kind of like he wasn't coming out overly negative or doing anything too crazy, but he, he just he just didn't seem to have the passion for the role or didn't feel like he was the right man for the job anymore. So it it had to get the, the the change had to be made. Yeah, I mean, you look at the moves that the best organizations have made. Look at how the Clippers have operated. Look how the Thunder have operated. How how Atlanta has operated, um, just to name a few. Uh, how, how the Raptors have operated. Even even the 76ers. I think the Celtics have approached things so conservatively without a lot of a lot of business creativity, and that's something that they absolutely need. So I don't know if, and, and the thing is with, with Brad Stevens is that, you know, he he's going to need a management team around him to do that, because. I mean, he's a college coach. He's a fantastic college coach. He's a fantastic mind on the court. Is he that fantastic mind in terms of putting these deals together and getting guys in the doors? I mean, that that's what you got to do as a president. And if that's his talent, then that's fantastic. But I'm, I'm not sure that as an executive, you can necessarily translate that. And his basketball vision, you know, you want to translate that on the court for sure. But you got to have the tools to do it. And I, I'm not... I'm not going to make a verdict on it because, you know, we don't know yet, but um, we'll, we'll see what happens. And if we're betting on coach, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bet on uh, Vanderpool, David Vanderpool. That's been a name that's been floated around for a while, um, especially given all the, uh, the controversy in, in Boston and, you know, the optics of, of how the Celtics are being looked at in the league right now, having a, having a guy like Vanderpool in, I mean, <laughs> I, it, it's unfortunate that maybe that's the reason why he, he gets, he gets hired when it, people look at it, but He's a guy that's been uh, put on the pedestals who deserves up next. And I hope it's not Jason Kidd. I mean, that Jason Kidd would just be a smear to be hired as a first Celtics coach, right? In Brad Stevens' uh, first tenure. I, I mean, that that's definitely not the way to go if they're trying to make a positive change here. Yeah, you wonder is obviously, obviously, Jay Kidd uh, removed himself com- from consideration for the Portland job. It was it was a bit of a weird one. I don't really know where yeah. J, like Jake Kidd. Am I right in saying his only coaching job was with Milwaukee, or or no, he coached the yeah. Nets for a little while as well, didn't he? But like he never he was really with the Nets for a year, yeah. and then Bucks for two. Like we, I say. it was a bit of a bit, kind of out of left field a bit from from Lillard why he would want Jake Kidd or why he's like yeah he's my yeah coach. I have no idea I don't even I don't even want to but like I, it, it was kind of weird for 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 him to have nominated kid. I mean, Dame being the, the class act that he is and things that we know about Jason Kidd already. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't see that connection coming at all, but, um, but, but speaking of kid, I mean, maybe he's, he's not too keen on those jobs. Cause you know, he's sitting behind one of the most coveted jobs in the league, which is being the coach head coach for LeBron. Mm. And after this disappointing lost year for LeBron in a year that was riddled with injury, um, I don't know. There's so many places to blame, place to blame on this Lakers team. Um, I mean, the Suns, I mean, they deserve all the credit in the world. I mean, this team is going, we're going to see it um, again I mean, tonight in this matchup with uh, Denver, but so congratulations to them, but for the Lakers, you know, the odds on favorite champions this year, um, it's a lot, a lot of blame to go around. I mean, there's, it's, it's endless. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the health was a, was a big thing. That's obviously not something that you can control, 
But I think you look at the, the way the series went and ultimately this could prove to have been the best thing for the Lakers because on the whole, they just weren't healthy. So going out in the first round, getting themselves right, taking as much rest as they can possibly get and getting right and getting back to 100% for next season could prove crucial to them. I think like you think back to the 2018-19 the season when LeBron, that was his first real injury hit season. And that year, everyone was like, okay, LeBron, he's, he's done. He's, he's dusted. He's got his injury now. This is going to be a trend. And then, obviously, AD comes in. They bounce back and win the title in 2020. And that, like, if they can get healthy, I still think they're in a strong position to come back in a big way next season. Obviously, but LeBron, that's the problem, that they're looking at it that way. Like, why were they in this position to begin with? That's what I, yeah. that's how I see it. You know yeah. why 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 are they playing so many minutes? Why was LeBron playing 30, forty minutes against a game against the Pistons? Why why is AD playing playing that amount of minutes? I mean, we we all know about AD's injury history, which is just becoming central to his identity. So I I don't know. I mean, this is it's nice it's nice to know that okay, you can at least you only lost in the first round, and you know you get extra time to rest. But I mean, they shouldn't have been in this position to begin with. Yeah, just, I, I I wouldn't look at it that way because I I I like I like the fact that they want to play the minutes they want to be out on the court. I get like in this modern day, it's all about getting the right rest and finding ways to rest your players when you can. But teams take that to too high of a level these days. I think LeBron has the same sort of mentality that the likes of Kobe and MJ had. Is like people are paying to come and see me, so I'm gonna go out on the yeah. floor and play as much time as I can. People the- weren't even paying to be in the in the seats this year, though. <laughs> they're, they're paying to be on Zoom screens for half the year. Yeah, that that is, that is true. And obviously, his injury didn't come from uh, from uh, playing too many minutes. That was just a freak injury, an awkward yeah. landing. <laughs> Can't really blame yeah. minutes on that. But obviously, it was a, it was a whole big thing. I think obviously, you're looking at LeBron. Obviously, he's going to be 37 in December, and what this series kind of showed. Obviously, he wasn't at 100, percent but the way you're looking at it is kind of just he's no longer a guy that can carry a team by himself. He's still going to yeah. be the best bones of a 25-point triple-double for you, which is yeah. still pretty damn good when you're 36, 37 years old with his sort of mileage. But he needs AD to be healthy. And he just needs them both to be on the court because I think the Lakers just weren't like a cohesive unit at all uh, heading into the playoffs, even in like the playing game in the last few games when they were finally getting back together. They just were so far off the team that won the title in in 2020. And obviously there's talk that LeBron is going to be out recruiting and trying to find a third guy to come in. I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I, I need to stop seeing Damian Lillard edits in Laker uniforms. I, <laughs> I need to stop seeing that, especially for the same fan base that was like, oh, look, the Nets, Durant needs Harden just to win a championship. Like, enough, <laughs> enough. I, I mean, that... When it comes to recruiting, find someone better than Schroeder yeah. and Montrez Harrell. Those two are the biggest disappointments for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, Harrell Harrell wasn't even seeing the floor. Drummond wasn't even seeing the floor. I mean, everyone is free. This is what I didn't understand. Everyone is freaking out when you know. I hated the concept of the buyout market. I talked about it myself, but I mean, everyone freaked out when Drummond got to Lakers. But I was like, just what? I mean, this guy. He's. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he's a fraud, but I mean, he's not. He's not playoff material center. Yeah. He's just not. And he didn't play a single meaningful minute down the stretch. It was Marcus Gasol. 
Yeah. And where was Harold? He was unplayable. I mean, Schroeder wasn't doing enough either. I mean, if they're going to be a viable one-two punch with LeBron and AD, they at least need to have role players that are going to give you valuable minutes. And it's 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 tough to say because, you know, I, I definitely predicted that Schroeder and Harold alongside those two would be tremendous additions. Yeah. You know, maybe that's just another year. You, you run it back, that type of sort of situation. But the way that it played out this year, they were ineffective in their roles. And I mean, and Harold has a long way to go to get back to what his form was like being um, a dominant big in the league with the Clippers. I mean, that's just not, that's just not his reputation right now. I mean, he's completely fallen from that ever since last season. Yeah. It didn't help that he didn't really have, like he didn't have his, uh, his Lou Williams, his, uh, his other, his other bench that guy pairing, to, to yeah. work with. That was just, that, pairing. that just brought out the best in both of them. And, and unfortunately kind of, we've kind of seen it with both of them when they're, when they've lost their, their guy, they're just, they're just half the, half the, uh, half the beast that they were when they were together. But we got to put respect for the Phoenix Suns as well. Look at mm. Aiton. Aiton, I think, shocked everyone. He oh had, God. he was really, really impressive in his, his uh, playoff debut. Obviously, on the offensive end, went 16 uh, and 11, uh, shooting 80% from the field. And he was really effective. Obviously, obviously, AD had some really dominant games where he was just kind of unplayable in stages. But Aiton was the dominant big in this series. And Absolutely. It was really, really impressive. Absolutely. I mean, every everything that I've been on Aiton about, you know, not rolling to the rim hard enough. He was absolutely rolling to the rim hard enough. And not only in pick and roll situations, he was rolling off the ball when he wasn't in the action. He was running down the court. I mean, this guy was hustling from end to end, coast to coast, every single play. And not just the hustle, not just cutting the rim, but on the defensive end. I mean, this guy was – with switch, I mean that the, one of the, one of the plays that really sticks in my mind is when he gets switched up on Schroeder. Schroeder, who's who's probably one of the best hesitation uh, attackers in the league. I mean, I I totally expect for you know Aiden goes out on Schroeder. You, you, hopefully, you settle for a contested jumper, but he stayed with him the whole way. He's shown that he's really gained a lot in terms of his foot speed, the the way he, that he can flip his hips defensively, like. The way that he's improved on the defensive end is so obvious. And when it ended in that block, I mean, that that was just such a statement to how much he's improved to be a switchable defender and then being patient defensively against AD in the post. I mean, he's shown a complete pack, package to not just be, you know, an, an intriguing offensive center, but to be a defensive anchor and to be like an off an offensively vibe. He's everything that that Andre Drummond wasn't in this series. You know, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's what you would expect. Yeah, definitely. And I think obviously there's a lot of talk that kind of the Lakers are really up on Drummond and like really like already talking about re-signing him and get and get bringing him back <laughs> for next year. But I mean, like he just wasn't doing enough. I think he's he's, he's a regular season. That's what he's shown here. He's a regular season center. He, he can he can be good against some of the weaker teams, but when push comes to shove, he's just he's just not up to the level of of the other bigs in this league. He, he had more he, more post-up impressions than meaningful post-ups in this series. I'd say. Yeah. Let, let's talk about, let's talk a little bit of a happiness for our Grizzlies and New York Knicks. I mean, maybe we mentioned it already and that's all that needs to be said for it. But, you know, for these two teams leaving the first round, you know, it isn't a huge tragedy. For, for the Memphis Grizzlies, they to bounce Steph Curry out of the play-in 
and to really go toe to toe. I mean, they, they lost against what was far and away the best team in the league this year. Utah is no joke. They, they proved that they are, they are still the best team and the Memphis Grizzlies gave them hell. I mean, to see the development from Ja, to see how hard Jonas was, was playing against Gobert and to see, especially how Dylan Brooks was competing, just the growth from their young guys in a series was tremendous. And, you know, you can say a lot of the same things from the New York Knicks as well. Like you learned a lot about both of these teams and what they need to do to address, to be even better contenders next year. But, you know, I, I don't think that you, you walk away from these series, you know, with, with too many hard feelings. I think it's, it's a lot of, a lot of good lessons learned for young teams that are going to be even better next year. Yeah, definitely. I think ultimately, as we, we were talking before the series began, uh, the Knicks and Atlanta especially, they were two young, young teams for the most part with little playoff experience. It was kind of who was, who was going to be able to handle it better. And the, the, the Hawks just, they just stepped up. Their, their star player stepped up. Trey was he's un- unbelievable. He was un- unplayable at times. And unfortunately for us, our star guys just couldn't couldn't get their shot going. They couldn't score consistently. Randall was he was nowhere near the player that he was in the regular season. And Clint Capella became a bit of an X factor for large periods of, of each of each game, especially in the victories for uh, for Atlanta. So it, while it was disappointing, you're also like. Tom Thibodeau made the Knicks relevant again. He's put them back on the map. Now let's see what we can do. Let's see how we can push on from here. We're in yeah. the position where we're there. Now let's see what we can do from here. Yeah. I, I want to say the only difference between these two teams, though, is that the Grizzlies can grow a lot from within. They got a lot of young talent that are only starting to come into their own. I mean, John Moran needs to add just a pull-up jumper to his game before they become an even a tremendously better team and not even to mention what you can expect from Jaron Jackson Jr. from another offseason of work um, for the Knicks though. You, you really hope that they don't get complacent with their play style right here. Cause I think it was really a testament to, you know, that, that grit and grind, bring it every, every minute mentality certainly wins you games in the regular season. Um, and it keeps you in contention in the playoffs, but it's not what wins you those games. I mean, they, the ta- the offensive talent that Atlanta had just was un- unmatched by the Knicks. I think, I think the Knicks were unable to match that intensity. And for Derrick Rose to be at times your best player, I mean, I love Derrick Rose. And that those are some like heartwarming moments to watch him be successful in this series. But, you know, you got to get more out of, out of your main guys. And maybe you get another year of growth out of Barrett. But you got, you're staring at $55 million in cap space in a pretty weak free agent class. But see what you can do with that. And you don't always get those shiny toys that the Knicks always hope that they can get. Hmm. But Julius Randle, you know, he had an amazing performance this year throughout the season. He deserved that most improved player. But, you know, it, he showed that he's limited as the number one scorer in a playoff series. You know, he can, he can, be, he can be gamed against. Yeah, and obviously it was disappointing ultimately when we were forced to start roles. Like, we didn't have any other choice, but that ultimately – made us worse as a team because Rose was so important to our bench scoring. And then when he came in, like he was still putting up great numbers, but it ultimately had a negative impact on the team as a whole. That's why like Alfred Payton 
was our for show point guard. Like he was doing nothing. <laughs> uh, like we have to get a starting point guard that can contribute consistently on the offensive end. He can he can either make plays for his teammates or he can he can score the basketball. Preferably, we'll get one that can do both. But he's got to be able to do something. Unlike Alfred Payton, who really really doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think about all these uh, Chris Paul rumors? Hey man. Look what he's doing in, in, in Phoenix. If Chris Paul wants to come out to New York for for a year or two, I'm 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 kind of, I'm pretty. You okay. guys think of everybody, huh? You guys <laughs> think of everybody. Uh, it, it would be a weird one. Maybe maybe we'll we'll we'll, we'll uh, find some way of uh, hypnotizing Kawhi and convincing him to come out to New York. You know, <laughs> that that would be the one thing. And you know, we we talked about it. That and that's this first round. If Kawhi had a disappointing series with the Clippers, maybe this is something that we're talking about in the offseason. This is the reason why he leaves. And you know, tremendous, tremendous game seven from not just Kawhi, but the Clippers. You know, the Clippers came together as a team, and maybe this is a galvanizing moment for them as a team against a lot of odds. I mean, the no home team had won in this series yet. It was one of the weirder weirder turn of events in recent playoff memory that a home team hadn't won a single game. You know, the phrase goes that the first home team to lose, that's when the series begins, but that's how it ended. Yeah. And, you know, Kawhi and his supporting cast, you know, they really had a fantastic game seven and maybe that's what ultimately preserves, you know, they will preserve their run here in the playoffs or maybe preserve Kawhi's tenure there in LA, but for Doncic and his um, his unbelievable performance was historical. He had 77 points produced in game seven. That was the most ever produced by a player. And, you know, this whole series averaging 36 points, 10 assists, eight rebounds, 40.1% on threes. I mean, you're seeing, are you seeing the three-point shots he's taking? I mean, that, that, that one-legged step back, runner, is, I mean, his, his Kobe fadeaways, and he's being beat up by Batum, by Kawhi, by Paul George. I mean, he was given every defensive look possible and he put up those numbers he's scoring 47.9 percent from the field off double teams and hard hedges and his usage was 40 percent. i mean this guy did absolutely everything possible to win but he couldn't pull it up i mean you need guys better than dorian finney smith and tim hardaway jr i mean it's 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 a shame the performance that dame put out the performance over the course of the series that that Doncic put up i mean he he needs he needs to get help Ah, oh, big time. I mean, this guy is 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 unbelievable. I mean, he still young. Obviously, the 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 Mavs are still in a position where they can still be patient and just wait till they can know they can get the perfect two star to uh, to Luca. But I mean, like break down the stats. Like three games this series, he scored forty plus points, and in four games this series, this series he's had ten plus assists. I mean, he scored 29 or more in six of the seven games. He was absolutely off the charts. He it was, it was scary. It was just incredibly impressive. And just every time he steps on the court, it just makes you think, my God, this guy is going to be the best player in basketball. He every time he steps on the court, he just he, he seems to add something new. The fact that he's getting these three pointers now and He's got that kind of the signature little the little fadeaway three pointer. It's it's kind of scary that he's still able to add to his offensive game, and he's having a he's having 
a solid impact on defense. He's never going to be a, an all defensive yeah. player, but he's having a much more solid impact. Oh yeah, and it, it's 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 just bringing it all all to home. And the Mavs, you've got a golden treasure here, and you've got to make sure that you make sure you get him the help that he deserves. Yeah, I mean d- defensively. I mean just a quickly touch i mean last year against the clippers anytime that he was on an island with Kawhi and paul george that's an instant isolation i mean that's not the same thing this year i mean he he definitely lost plenty of those matchups but it was not like they're they're having to double they're having to hedge i mean he can hold his own against the best in the league he's he's never going to be a i mean i i'd have to look at the numbers but i mean as as a plus, plus defender he's not there yet but he's definitely not a slouch on that end either mm-hmm. but you know what it, what it comes down to is everyone else on this team i mean finney smith was the second best player in game seven i mean this guy hustled he got six offensive boards 10 total rebounds 18 points two steals i mean this guy does all the intangible stuff in terms of hustle and defense um but he shouldn't be the second best scorer in a game seven against the clippers against Kawhi, against paul george that should be kp i mean this guy's an issue mm-hmm. he's he's the he's looking like one of the worst contracts in the league right now. I mean, he's getting paid 31.6 next year, 33.8 the next year, 36 million the year after that. He's on a long-term Supermax contract and he's producing like a stretch big. He's, he's producing like a Ryan Anderson. You know, he's complaining about, you know, he's looked at as an afterthought, but, you know, he's just not shown any dominant gene in taking mismatches. You know, in the league, for any player doing a pick and roll, he's been switched on the most in the entire league. Not a single team in this league is scared of him off a switch. They don't care. And he's never been able to reliably produce against smaller players. And that's that's just, at this point, that's probably just who he is, right? I mean, when, he, when you look at him and how he was with the Knicks in 2017-18, you know, I mean, he was a good, good defender. I mean, the way he is now, I mean, he's he's just average. He's not doesn't have that same impact, and I'm not sure if it's an injury. I'm not sure if it's mentality, but you know he's definitely changed as a player and how he's challenged the rim and how he's been um, an effective post scorer. And it's it's starting to become a little bit more clear that he's not the guy that they wanted him to be. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the way he comes out with those those sort of comments, it's just kind of don't judge me, feel sorry for me. You're like. <laughs> That was that was that's what I saw when I saw that comment he came out. I was just like, right, um, yeah, you're just you're just not not good enough. You just haven't stepped up. Obviously, the injuries have had an impact on that, and obviously, it's had an impact on his kind of psyche and his mentality. But it's on him to change that. No one else can change that for him. He's got to be able to to fight that and 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 overcome it and get back to the sort of levels he was at before the injuries began. With the contract he's on and who they could get in a trade for him, I still think they're probably best off waiting. Especially 2022, there's a pretty decent lineup of uh, of free agents at the moment. Whether How many of them will actually be on the table? Who knows? But you look at the likes of, obviously, all the, the Nets uh, big three. Uh, you got Beal, you got Levine, Jimmy Butler. Ah, uh, we're, we're locking him up. We're locking him <laughs> up this summer. I okay, promise. okay. But there's <laughs> there's a good there's a good uh, list of players there, and 
if you get one of those type of guys in, or maybe even this summer, if they're able to add Colin Sexton, I think that'd be an interesting uh, kind of scoring option to add. It'd be interesting to see what sort of impact Porzingis could have then, because I think at the moment it's not worth trading him because I don't think they're really going to get anything. I get trying to like maybe get, get rid of the contract and that maybe, yeah. but at the same time, they're still in a fairly decent position in terms of cap space and that, I think obviously 2021 was when they were going to try and and lure Giannis here, but obviously Giannis has resigned. Oh man, with, I, with I wanted Milwaukee. that so bad. I wanted so, that so bad. So um, they're still in a good a good place financially. So I don't think they need to put in a, a really kind of nothing trade just to get rid of Porzingis at this time. But hopefully he can be healthy for a season next year. And he can start to show signs of getting back to the guy that they thought he was going to be. But he's got a hell of a lot of work to do in this offseason if he's going to be anything close to the two-star that Luka Doncic deserves. I mean, when you talk about their cap situation, it's on the surface. I mean, it looks okay. I mean, they have $56 million, right? Mm. Well, you got to resign GHJ. He's got a $28 million cap hold. You got to resign. You got to definitely sign... Doncic to that extension that's probably going to run you around 200 mil total that's you know Chris Daps might be worth expiring contracts at this point if you want to be if you want to be a contender in the in whatever sweepstakes there are next season to sign whoever you might have to sacrifice a year because you know they're not going to get any value out of Chris Daps. You're, you're completely correct I mean they're, they're not going to they're not going to get good role players and picks. They're not going to get a single pick for him at all. Yeah. And, you know, I saw a rumor about, uh, about Washington who had reportedly been keeping their eye on the KP situation. I'm not even sure what that means, but, you know, Washington doesn't even have the assets for that. They're, they're going to get mediocre players back for KP and you hope it's expiring. So I think that's probably just going to be the best that they get out of it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I can see, I can see both sides of it. Uh, ultimately, if if that if they know that they can get themselves into the best position to get Luca a legit second star by trading for expiring contracts, I say, yeah, absolutely, go for it. As much yeah. as I, I'm a fan of KP, and I want to believe that he can get back to the guy that that we all thought he was going to be the unicorn. You know, I, I at this moment in time, he's just not doing it, and Luca is a superstar, and he needs another another guy. By his side, yeah, and we have to give the credit to Kawhi and supporting cast. That that can't be understated here. I mean, this this guy in Game Six, forty five points, three assists, six rebounds, five and nine from three. I mean, didn't miss a free throw. I mean, he had one of the best performances of his career there, and then followed up in Game Seven with a near triple double. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy is going to be one of the known as one of the best player performers performers in the league ever. And he's the first player since Shaq to average 30 points per game on 60% shooting. And he does it with mid-range shots. And he's averaging 29, 9, and 5 on a near 50, 40, 90 in his last 60 playoff games. 60 playoff games. He's not even 30 yet. I mean, he, you know, he's quiet. He doesn't get a lot of noise. but And maybe he's not putting the most nuclear performances throughout the regular season. But he is a bona fide playoff stud. 
and his supporting cast showed up. I mean, that, that was, I mean, for me, that was a real difference between these two teams. Doncic had his superstar performance, but it was the Clippers and the Terrence Manns and how physical he was getting at the rim, getting offensive boards and just really putting pressure on the defense. Reggie Jackson showing up and shooting threes when it mattered. Luke Kennard, where did he come from? <laughs> I, mean, I, I feel like he hasn't played a meaningful stretch in a while and he's there to close out game seven and just really put it away for the, for the Clippers. And then Nick Batum, I mean, this guy's been raised from the dead this whole season. I mean, he's been a solid two-way player. I mean, they have the pieces. If they can really galvanize here, they're going to really need it because I think their weaknesses were really exploited in the seven-game series against the Mavs that they should have – I mean, they, they realistically, with the talent that they have, should have won this in, in five or six. I mean, it was pretty clear the talent difference between these two teams is tremendous. But, you know, they were just not physical enough inside. How are they going to deal with Gobert running at the rim? all seven games, if it lasts that long. Mm-hmm. How are they going to deal with Donovan Mitchell getting to the rim, Mike Conley navigating the pick and roll? I, I think they they have a lot of questions that were exploited throughout this series that they're going to have to answer quickly against Utah. Yeah, big time. I think it's going to be really interesting, that that series. And they're going to need Paul George to step up in, in, in a big yeah. it ha- yeah. It has to happen. Obviously, Kawhi was able to be the main man and, and really was the difference maker for them in this series. But against Utah, the talent in the team, like Utah are a team. Like they, that is their, their strength. Their whole team is just why they are so good. They all contributed. They all have their role. And then they have the likes of Gobert on the defensive end and Donovan Mitchell on the offensive end to, to just get them over the line in games. So, they're going to need Paul George. It can't just be Kawhi in this series against Utah. Paul George is going to have to step up in a big way, along with the rest of, of, of the the Clippers team. I mean, they are considered, on, on paper, they're considered like a top, they're capable of being a top defensive team, as well as being one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league, if not, if not the best, I think, uh, in terms of percentage-wise. So they're going to need all of that if they're going to be able to get by uh, Utah. Yeah. And it, dude, it doesn't surprise me anymore, but it's still, I mean, in a way it blows my mind that, you know, his performances just fall off a cliff and it comes to the playoff. There's nothing strategic about how he was being defended. I mean, he's seeing the same defense he's seen all year long. He's not getting doubled. He's not getting any extra attention, but he's just not shooting well. I mean, it's, it's all completely a mental thing. Shooting is a completely mental thing. He's getting open looks. He's getting switched on with KP. He's getting looks against, Hardaway Jr. I mean, these are not the elite perimeter defenders of this league, but he's not performing there. So when you're facing the, the likes of, of the Jazz, who play tremendous team defense, and they're going to get in your face and prevent threes, that, that's going to be even a tougher challenge for PG. And, you know, he's, it's clear to me at this point that I expect him to play like a number two, not a 1A. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kawhi, he's, he's the number one player. I mean, Paul George, when it, when it comes down to a playoff series, I expect him to be at number two. Yeah, that's true. But uh, I think in that position, he's got to do. He's still got to do that 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 little bit more than he has been doing. Yeah, well, it's going to be the same story as last year. What did he come out last year basically saying wasn't his fault, and he's going to be better? All right, let's see. Ne- needs more. Needs more plays called from. Needs more more action. Yeah. That's what it was. Well, I, we're running out of time here, but I, I definitely want to touch on a couple games that have happened here in the second round. I mean, the the Hawks with the forty-two point first quarter. One of the one of the crazier first quarter performances against the second best defense in basketball 
ended up with a 74 point half. And then second half, what happens? 76 is wake up. They're playing defense. They're getting up and down the court. They're getting turnovers. They're scoring on turnovers and they bring it to a four point game. They almost pull off an insane comeback. And I mean, my question is which half is more indicative of how the series is going to go? What do you think? I think the second half, I think the comeback that Philly made, I think they're more than capable of playing that way for a full game against this Atlanta team. And once uh, Embiid remains healthy, obviously he looked looked pretty healthy last night with his 39-point performance. Once he's staying healthy and staying as the lead guy, I think Philly Philly got a little bit of a wake-up call that first game. Trey Young was awesome, as he has been throughout this whole playoffs. And the Hawks had had a big had a big impact, but that was just a little bit of a wake up call for Philly. And I think that the second half showed that. And I think they're going to kick on with that same sort of form for the rest of this series and could do it in five games. Maybe with a big big performances from Trey, they might take it to six. But I think I think Philly are still in a in a the position to uh, to win this series. I, I definitely agree. Um, the, the one thing that stood out to me, like you said, with Trey, I mean, he's getting defensive attention from the best one-on-one defenders in the league. I mean, he's doing this against Simmons. He's doing this against Thibault. He's doing this against Green. He's getting wherever he wants to go. And I'm wondering what, what's Doc going to do to prevent him from getting to his spot, from preventing him to get to his floater. Um, and I, my honest answer is, you know, he's starting to not starting. He's been doing this all year. I mean, th- there's no starting. I, I think he needs to get recognized for the same thing we, we give to Doncic the way that Doncic can get wherever he wants to go. Um, the way that the best players in the league get wherever they want to go to get to their spot. I mean, Trey does this on an elite level for the guy at his size. I mean, he uses his quickness to get to his step back, to his floater, to the rim, wherever he wants to go, he knows how to get there. And to, for him to do it against 76ers is just a true testament to how he's become a true superstar. I mean, talk about his defense, whatever, but in terms of his impact on the court, for him to be that unstoppable against the second best defense in the league and some of the most, you know, lauded defenders in the league and Tybal, I mean, this guy everyone's looking at is, you know, he's a defensive menace. Danny Green is one of the best veteran defenders in the league. And he's doing it against them. It's, it's ceases to impress me, but I, I think that the way that the 76ers were able to play defense and score in the second half, they got to pull that out because, you can't be playing a beat who has a torn meniscus 38 minutes and expecting him to score 40 a night. Like you're not going to win a championship that way. He needs to be preserved throughout the, this playoffs run in order for you to have a chance. Yeah. hundred percent. I think, uh, and uh, on the other, on the other side of, uh, on the other side in the, in the East, Milwaukee and Brooklyn two uh, the big the big thing is Harden is out of game two. He, he went out inside a minute of the first game with that right hamstring. They're just saying right hamstring tightness. But hamstrings are such a dodgy injury and they're so easy to flare up. And if it's any sort of damage, that can keep you out two, three weeks. And if you try to come back earlier, it'll go again. So they're in a real tender position with, no pun with intended. James Harden. <laughs> <laughs> That's well done. Uh, but um, yeah, and I think that really opens up the series. But obviously, uh, Kyrie and, and KD, uh, along with Blake Griffin, stepped up in a big way in that game one. But Milwaukee didn't have a three point shot. So once they find their, if they can find their touch, I think this is a very, very open series. 
Giannis gotta he can't be the best three point shooter on your team right now. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how much in the end they're gonna miss the uh the shooting from DiVincenzo. Um Bryn Forbes, you, you hope he can have an impact on the shooting there. And th- this series is far from over. You know, we, we could we could talk all we want about how we analyze the the Hawks and 76ers their halves. So I I think that you know the, the Bucks are gonna bounce back and for it to be in more evened out series with Harden being out, probably for this whole series, you'd imagine to keep him healthy. You know, this is going to be a very, very tightly matched series. And Giannis showed it. He showed it against the Heat. This team really showed that they are here and they mean business and they're not going to waste this series. They're not going to waste another year. Um, but this is going to be the, the toughest challenge, I think, of Giannis's career. I don't think he's, he has not faced a team this good in his entire career, and he might not face another one like it. Um, for him to put a statement on his legacy, not just this season, but a statement on his entire legacy for him to try and win this series. I mean, this would be huge for how he's viewed for years to come. Yeah, definitely. But and I think ultimately it's how his his teammates deliver because I think Giannis is going to get whatever the hell he wants on the offensive end against his Brooklyn team. And he's going to have a big impact on the defense. But if the likes of Middleton... Uh, holiday and that, and they can't they can't find their shot, especially from uh, from deep. The books are not going to be able to 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 get the get the wins in this series. I mean, Giannis is going to be is going to be awesome. I think he he was he was big and he he can do more. That's that's kind of the scary thing. He had he had a big thirty two point game on uh, on Saturday night, but you know that he can do more and he can he can be better. But the ultimate difference maker is going to be what sort of performances the role players in Milwaukee can deliver. Yeah, we'll see. And the, the last point we got here, I know you're team Suns. You know I'm team I'm team Nuggets. You know I, I love I love my Nuggets. I'm really excited for this matchup here. And I, I think uh I think I know who you're you're betting on. But I'm I'm excited to see how this team matches up. Um, how are they going to stop Jokic? Is, is Aiden really up for the challenge? That's, that's one of the more interesting questions for me. He really showed it against AD. Um, we, we get to see it tonight. Is he ready for – this is going to be the biggest matchup of his career, t- talking about Giannis against the Nets. I mean, this is absolutely – to face Jokic and try and stop him for a full series, that's going to be the biggest task and might be the pivotal task, just like Nurkic was the, the X factor if they were going to win. Can Aiden stop Jokic? Because that's, that's the key. That's, that's the one key. Yeah, it's going to be huge. Obviously, we 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 praised Aiton for the performances against LA. Kind of continued on now. Now he's got arguably an even bigger challenge going up against Nikola Jokic. It's gonna be it's gonna to be tough. He's gonna to have to be super disciplined. He's it's gonna to be tough for him to not be making fails, especially not getting into foul trouble early. That's gonna be a, a crucial uh, factor of this game. But if he can just doesn't even have to. We're not going to expect him to dominate Jokic. We're just going to expect him to just be there, be in the game. Don't foul up. Yeah, that's 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 the main thing. Bare minimum. <laughs> be 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 solid defensively. Try and just cut him down just that little bit, and then hope you're there, the likes of CP3. Hopefully he's he's 100 for this whole series. Devin Booker keeps going. The likes of Bridges can find a bit more of a consistent shot. He was a little bit. A little bit inconsistent against the Lakers. Hopefully he'll uh, 
he'll get his shot back. But this is definitely going to be a real fun series. But uh, yeah, I, I'm worried about that matchup there. Bridges and Porter, you know, MPJ has, has seen his share of defenders, but I, I think that Bridges is going to be a new breed of uh, of a defensive matchup that he's going to have to deal with him and Drake, Jay Crowder. Um, but Compazzo and Chris Paul, that that's going to be the uh, that's going to be the biggest matchup right there. How how much can Compazzo stop Chris Paul? How much can Austin Rivers stop Devin Booker? Um, there's going to be a whole lot of mismatches this whole series, and you know the the shot this the stars are going to shine the brightest in this one in particular. And, you know, I'm here for it. I'm here for the, the Devin Booker 40 point games and the, the Jokic 50 point triple double. That's inevitable against, and unless they, they bust out, uh, uh, Jalen Smith. You know, he, he hasn't seen the court yet. Maybe that's their secret weapon against, uh, Jokic. Who knows? Yeah. It's going to be, going to be a fun one to keep an eye on. We're into the semifinals of the playoffs. It's only going to get better from here. Let's have it. All right, man. Well, thank you guys for joining us for another episode. We got more games coming up, and we're going to be breaking it down to you later on this week. Stay with us. Stay tuned. Take care. on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment